0: all in the name of the Lord Jesus. So we're going to look at that one verse and that is verse number 17. And this is a fantastic verse. If you will grasp this verse and understand this verse, boy it'll help you get through this life with minimizing problems, minimizing drama, minimizing conflict. I mean this, this, this verse we need to embrace. And I'm not exaggerating. What does that verse say? It says, And whatsoever ye do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Think about what that's saying, folks. And whatsoever you do. In word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. It may seem a little strange, but I found someone that illustrates that almost perfectly. Johann Sebastian Bach. He illustrates that verse better than anybody. And I discovered this as I was reading about him. It says... Johann Sebastian Bach is regarded as one of the greatest composers of all time. Bach was born in 1685 in Eisenach, Germany, a town where, by the way, Martin Luther had lived and translated the New Testament. In fact, the story says that young Bach attended the same school that Luther was enrolled in some 200 years earlier. Now, when Bach's parents passed away, just months apart, the young boy, then just 10 years old, sang Lutheran hymns with the church choir during the funeral. Bach not only, it says, grew up in the geographical heart of the Lutheran Reformation, he was directly influenced by Luther's work. Owned a large number of Protestant books and two copies of Luther's Bible, one of which, it says, was recently discovered in a farmhouse in America. It shows Bach's notes in the margin and how he underlined scriptures in black and red ink. This writer says, that being an incredible testimony to his faith. Now you say, what is still, I don't make the connection between the verse and Bach. Where's the connection? Nearly three-quarters of his 1,100 compositions were written for use in worship. Three-quarters of them. Between his musical genius, his commitment to Christ, and the effect of his music, he has come to be known in many circles as the fifth evangelist. I'm not sure what that means, but we share it with you nonetheless. Now, here's the point I really want you to get. This last paragraph in this story. Bach often started his sheet music with the abbreviation J for Jesus Help Me. He would he would write that on his composition piece. Or I N J, standing for in the name of Jesus, and sign the reverse of the manuscript with S D G. Soli Deo Gloria, which means only for the glory of God. There's not much better that could illustrate for us the intent of Colossians 3.17. Now, what does that verse say? Let's look at that verse again. What does it say? It says, And whatsoever ye do in word or deed... Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. There are lots of Christians, too many Christians, that do church on Sunday, and every other day is their day, to do with it as they please. This verse verse is teaching us, in all things, we're to bring honor and glory to the Lord. And Bach, apparently, did not make a distinction between doing things to the Lord and doing things for himself. So when he was writing music, while he could have put that in a different mental category, apart from the Lord, he knew that everything that he did needed to bring honor and glory to the Lord. And that is evidenced by the fact that he would write those letters on the actual composition paper that he was writing on. A beautiful illustration of a man that understands that in all things, we're to bring honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. This verse starts off by saying, and whatsoever ye do in word or deed. In other words, this verse is dealing with the totality of our lives. It's talking about everything we say, and everything we do. There's there's no out for us Christians. There's, There's no area that doesn't come under the jurisdiction of the Lord Jesus Christ. This verse is teaching us that there is to be no distinction between the secular or sacred. In whatsoever, in other words, in everything ye do in word or deed, what it's saying there is, there's no exception to what is about to be said. Everything you say and everything you do is being addressed here for every single one of us. There wasn't an expir- there's not an expiration date on this verse. It is still applicable today. It's as important today as the day that it was written by the Apostle Paul to the Colossians. And a proper understanding of this can be so beneficial to us today. So many people today have lost their way. So, so many people in this crazy, mixed-up Sodom and Gomorrah world that we're living in right now are so com- confused and led astray. We as Christians are so blessed to have this verse. Th- th- this verse can save us immense heartache and immense pain. So he starts off by saying, And whatsoever you do in word or deed, and then look at the second part of that verse. Here's the command. Do all in the name of the Lord. In other words, everything we say and everything we do has to bring honor and glory to the Lord. And if it doesn't bring honor and glory to the Lord, don't do it. Amen? Just don't do it. Well, what if it's questionable? Well, then don't do it. You know, don't take the chance. You, you can't go wrong by following this verse. You can go wrong by making exceptions or deciding you're going to take your chances. Blessed is the individual in this room that understands this verse, values this verse, embraces this verse, and tries to make it a part of their life. And it may be challenging at times. We're sinners. There's a, there's a lot of temptations out Where are you guys going? The kids' ministry, okay. I've never seen them in mass exodus like that. I, I would ask if anybody else would like to go with them, but I don't want I might just be. I might just be preaching to Sharon because surely you wouldn't go with them if ever. <laughs> Everything we think or do must bring honor and glory to the Lord, everything we say and do. And anything that can't bring honor and glory to the Lord cannot be a part of our lives. Now, again, that can be a challenge because we're human and we're sinners. But we should never make any excuses by trying to explain that verse away or say that it's too hard. When we mess up, we gotta pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off, and Bonnie, pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off, and, you don't know that one? And, thank you, start all over again. You know, we're not saying it's easy. We're not saying it's easy, but it's right. And we should all be committed to it. So, That's what it says. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then it says at the end of that verse, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. We shouldn't see this as burdensome. We should be giving thanks. Thank you, Lord. I see so many lives messed up, I see so many families that are just destroyed. That here I have some guidance. I don't have to wonder, I don't have to worry, I don't have to doubt. This isn't a burden to live this verse. Thank you, Lord. I have gratitude in my heart, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. We need to see this not as a burden, but as a privilege. You've been deceived if you see it any other way. You know, you, you don't realize you're, you're, you're playing the fool if you think, ah, this, this Christian life is too hard. I covered those excuses Sunday. There's no excuses that are going to make a better life for you. So what does this verse mean? We know what it says now. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. I like to bring in reinforcements. I know what it means. I've studied it, but I'll bring in reinforcements John MacArthur says of this verse right here, this simply means to act consistently with who he is and what he wants. It means that we act consistently with who he is, the Lord, and what he wants. Give up on your own desires. Give up on your own passions. Give up on on all of that. It's going to lead you astray. He will not. This verse will not lead you astray. Warren Wearsby I call him in as a reinforcement. He says, and I quote, all that we say and do should be associated with the name of Jesus Christ. By our words and our works, we should glorify his name. If we permit anything into our lives that cannot be associated with the name of Jesus, then we are sinning. We must do and say everything on the authority of his name and for the honor of his name. And if you can't do that, then don't do it. Don't go there. but It's so appealing. and Everybody else is doing it, and all my old friends are doing it, and they're going to think I'm weird. You don't want to go where they're headed. You don't want to head for the life that they're going to have. Charles Spurgeon says about this verse, Do not draw any line of demarcation and say, so far is secular and so far is religious. He said, don't, don't make that distinction. Let your whole life be religious. And if there is anything proposed to you in which you cannot glorify God, do not touch it. And it don't matter if everybody in their grandma is doing it. If you can't do it and give honor and glory to God, don't do it. And what, what great guidance that is. How encouraging that is. How refreshing that is. That is not burdensome. Now it may be challenging to do sometimes because our flesh is weak. But nonetheless, it should be our goal. It should be our aim. We have to understand that we have a family name that we have to protect. We are Christians. Every parent tries to teach his children to honor the family name. And in just a few moments, through thoughtless actions you can ruin the family name and that's another factor it's not just about you you claim to be a Christian and then you go and live the way you want to live that's hurting you yes and my heart goes out to you but guess what it's hurting me because I claim that name Christian and when I see someone who claims to be a Christian just discarding you know, what's preached and what's taught and what they know to be best because they just want to do it. They have to understand not only they're hurting themselves, but they're hurting the family name. So how does this apply to us? How does this verse apply to us? Everything we say and everything we do, we should be able to do in the name of the Lord Jesus. Doing and thinking And the name of Jesus means we know he wouldn't mind having his name associated with what we are doing or thinking. You cannot do something, and as a Christian, attach by your involvement the name of Jesus to something that is wrong. Spurgeon put it this way. Here's another Spurgeon quote. When you go to any place of doubtful amusement... Can you go there giving thanks to God and the Father by Jesus Christ? Can you thank the Lord that you're permitted to go and pray for divine blessings when you go and when you come away? And the answer is, if you cannot, then you should not be involved with it. Doesn't matter how popular it is, no matter how appealing it is, or how much momentary pleasure you might derive from it. In the long run, it's a price too high to pay. If you choose to do or think things in which you cannot do or think them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, then the problem is you become a part-time Christian. Well, you know, I, I, I compartmentalize my life. I, I on Sundays I do this, and when I'm around certain people, I do this, and you know, I try to do this, but you know, the rest of it is my life. And I'll I'll live it on my terms. Well, you can't bring the name of Jesus into that. So you are, in essence, becoming a part-time Christian. And and, and the, the issue there is that if you attach his name by your participation in it, that is harmful, it's offensive, and God condemns it. And it's a serious mistake to associate jesus with evil with one of his children participating in it so there's two serious problems here when you don't take heed to this great great verse one if you don't take heed to this verse if you ignore ignore this verse and you can do it you can do it we're not we're not programmed robots god is is sovereign but at the same time he's given us a free will If you do that, one of the problems is you become a part-time Christian. Let me just read you this little illustration. The host of a radio program told about a man who described his religious views by saying, I'm a Christian on Christmas and Easter. He seemed to think Christianity was a part-time proposition. This article goes on to say, even if we don't deliberately relegate our faith to just two days each year, many of us engage in a form of part-time Christianity. We do that when we pick the time and the place to practice our faith instead of being consistent every moment of every day, which is what this verse teaches us. When we choose to sin, when we choose to neglect our relationship with Christ or let the world squeeze us into its mold, we become... Part-time Christians. And let me tell you, those are the most miserable, unhappy, defeated people on the face of the earth. And we all run into them too often. People who have one foot in the church on Sunday and another foot in the world the rest of the week. So one of the problems with not understanding and appreciating this verse or violating this verse, in other words, participating in things or saying things that does not honor Christ, you become a part-time Christian. But the second thing, we've already alluded to it, is it drags the name of Jesus in the mud. We are his children. When you claim to be a Christian, you bring the name of Jesus with you into the den of iniquity, whether it be a barroom, a nightclub, a casino, or a, uh, some movie theater that's playing something that no Christian should be, be viewing. What you're doing is, as a Christian, you're dragging his name uh, through the mud. You call yourself a Christian. You know, a little Christ is what that means. And in addition to that, you cause others to discredit the name of Jesus and its ability to transform lives by the lack of power in your life. Your lack of Transformation. You know, it's one thing to be a baby Christian and we need to show tolerance and patience with baby Christians. But when you've been saved for a while, and it doesn't really need to be a long while, you ought to start evidencing some discernment and some appreciation for God and his word. And, and if, you, if you can't do that, you might want to check up on your salvation. And I, I mean that Sincerely. So a violation of this verse does two things. It presents two serious problems. It makes you a part-time Christian. It drags the name of Jesus through the mud. But for those of us, in spite of our frailties, in spite of our faults, in spite of our our messing up, for those who, who embrace this verse, understand this verse, and try to apply this verse to their lives, in spite of our shortcomings... It is attendant with with blessings. Number one, when you understand this verse, it will keep you from saying things you shouldn't say. If you can't attach that, if it doesn't bring honor to the Lord Jesus, then you know I can't say that. It will keep you from going places you shouldn't go it will eliminate a lot of avoidable drama in your life because it's going to keep you out of those places you shouldn't go and it's going to keep you from saying the things you shouldn't say. And with that comes the fact that your drama level has reduced dramatically. Have you noticed that those Christians that violate this, there's all sorts of drama in their lives, their, their world is in upheaval? Number four, it will put you in a position to be blessed of God when you work to live this verse out in your life. Number five, it will protect and enhance your testimony before family, friends, and co-workers. Number six, it will draw you yet closer to God. And number seven, it will develop a life in you worthy of praising and thanking the Lord, which is the way that verse ends. I found this really neat story. I had never heard this story before. It comes from Harry Ironside, a... Great preacher of yesteryear. And it illustrates the verse that we're looking at tonight. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. It's easier if I just read the story. I think you'll find it interesting. Harry Ironside wrote, When I was a boy, I felt it was both a duty and a privilege to help my widowed mother make ends meet by finding employment during vacation time, on Saturdays, and other times when I didn't have to be in school. For quite a while, I worked for a Scottish shoemaker, or cobbler as he preferred to be called, an Orkney man named Dan McKay. He was a forthright Christian and his little shop was a real testimony for Christ in the neighborhood. The walls were literally covered with Bible text, pictures, generally taken from old-fashioned scripture sheet almanacs. So that look where one would so look where one would he found the word of God staring him in the face in that little shop. On the little counter in front of the bench on which the owner of the shop sat was a Bible generally open and a pile of gospel tracts. No package went out of that shop without a printed message wrapped inside. And whenever opportunity offered, the customers were spoken to kindly and tactfully about the importance of being born again and the blessedness of knowing that the soul is saved through faith in Christ. Many came back to ask for more literature or to inquire more particularly as to how they might find peace with God with the blessed results that men and women were saved frequently right there in the shoe shop. It was my chief responsibility to pound leather for shoe soles. A piece of cowhide would be cut to suit then soaked in water. I had a flat piece of iron over my knees, and with a flat-headed hammer, I pounded these soles until they were hard and dry. It seemed an endless operation to me, and I wearied of it many times. What made my task worse was the fact that a block away, there was another shop that I passed going and coming to or from my home, and in it sat a jolly but godless cobbler, who often gathered the boys of the neighborhood about him and regaled them with lewd tales and made him dreaded by respectable parents as a menace to the community. Yet, somehow, he seemed to thrive, and that perhaps to a greater extent than my employer, Mr. McKay. As I looked in his window, I often noticed that he never pounded the soles at all, but took them from the water, nailed them on, damp as they were, and with the water splashing from them as he drove each nail in. One day I ventured inside, something I had been warned never to do. Timidly, I said, I notice you put the soles on while still wet. And are they just as good as if they were pounded?" He gave me a wicked leer as he answered, "They come back quicker this way, my boy." Feeling I had learned something, I related the instance to my boss and suggested that I was perhaps wasting time in drying out the leather so carefully. Mr. Mackey stopped his work and opened his Bible to the passage that reads, Whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Harry, he said, I do not cobble shoes just for the four bits or the six bits, 50 cents, 75 cents that I get from my customers. I am doing this for the glory of God. I expect to see every shoe I have ever repaired in a big pile at the judgment seat of Christ. And I do not want the Lord to say to me in that day, Dan, this was a poor job. You did not do your best here. I want him to be able to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Then he went on to explain that just as some men are called to preach... So he was called to fix shoes. And that only as he did this well would his testimony count for God. He said, it was a lesson I have never been able to forget. And I show you this quote from him. Often, when I have been tempted to carelessness or to slipshod effort, I have thought of dear, devoted Dan McKay. And it has stirred me up to seek to do all as for him who died to redeem me. As Bach made no distinction between his life with the Lord and his life's work, doing all to the glory of God, Mr. McKay saw no distinction between his walk with God and his work. Those are men that understood verse number 17. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. And the secret hidden message, if if you will, of that verse is, if you can't do it to the honor and glory of God, don't say it and don't do it. And you will call always, every time, come out so f- much further ahead in life. In your marriage, with your children, with your, with your work. Because really there is no secular or sacred. And anybody that makes that distinction is setting themselves up for disappointment and possibly heartache. If each one of us commit ourselves to living this verse... That is a verse that will protect us. That is a verse that will bless us. That is a verse that should guide us. And you say, well, some things, Pastor, are kind of doubtful. Aren't there some kind of gray areas? Yeah, I suppose there are. My philosophy has always been, when in doubt, don't. When in doubt, don't. What what harm is it going to do to take the safer road? You know, you, you can't be wrong by taking that approach now again as we close is it easy no is it right absolutely can we mess up along life's journey we sure can but still is this best for us absolutely when you mess up Pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and start all over again. I mean, by that, I mean ask God for forgiveness. We all mess up. We all come up short. Sometimes what we do embarrasses us and embarrasses our family. But the good news is God is long-suffering. Amen? Amen.